1: This is Marvelous Marco Mania
0: and I need your help to body slam breast cancer. For the entire month of October, you can head over to www.ProWrestlingTees.com and search for Marco Mania and purchase my exclusive Ursula Mania Pro Wrestling T-shirt. All proceeds that come to me from the sale of this shirt will be donated directly to the Women's Cancer Resource Center in Berkeley, California together we can continue to help one another defeat breast cancer for good
1: you're locked in look at what we have here folks to the only show that matters the cream of the
2: crop duke loves wrestling and there is no one that does it better than your host i have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass the duke and i'm all out of bubblegum
1: Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. And let me tell you something, folks. I am so excited this week. I mean, just over the moon because an interview that I've been trying to track down for over a year now. And somehow, some way, I've been blessed by the wrestling gods. It's finally happening. And it couldn't happen on a better day because the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Women's 100 was just officially released today and I just got off the phone with PWI so you know I'm really excited to talk to our next guest who has officially been uh, recognized as one of the top 100 women's wrestlers in the world which is a very prestigious honor there so without further ado welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast the one she's terrifying but she's also pretty damn awesome. I'm talking about Holiday. Dead. How are you, Holiday? Dead? I
0: don't know. I'm something. I'm here. I'm some
1: kind of alive, you know.
0: I'm ready. Let's do this. As you said, it's been a while. We've been going back and forth. For, has it been a year? Is, is that how long you've been? have been trying to do this. I feel like it's, it's maybe more like six months, not a year. I don't
1: know. No, I'm telling you, it's it's <laughs> it's been a year. It's been. I think the first time I reached out to you was was somewhere around last August, and then we started really talking back and forth in December, you know. Which this isn't. I'm gonna I'm gonna peel back the curtain here, folks. This isn't unusual. This is a this is a thing that happens because okay,
0: it's not me. It's not me. No,
1: no, 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 no. (laughs) People have busy schedules and and what have you and lives. A funny story. The longest I've waited from the initial point of contact to the actual time an interview happened was two years, and that was Ken Shamrock. So, listeners of the show, you remember that that Ken Shamrock interview. It took about two years before it came to fruition, but it came. Uh, You were about a year. And the thing that I I, I really love, because you don't play games, first of all. I mean, Hall of Dead, you're you're straight up. Uh, I want to talk about this, because I know there are a lot of folks out there listening to the show. They may be podcasters or or promoters or what have you who interact with wrestlers on various levels here. Um, You ask a lot of questions. So first thing you asked me was, okay, what's the show about? Do you have a sample of the show? When do you want to do it? And you were very clear about some of the things that you, you wanted to talk about, wanna have you. you wanted to make sure that this was actually a reputable, serious thing going on here. Talk to me about this. Have you have you encountered not so reputable folks in the past or what have you that shaped the way that you approach who you give interviews to?
0: Um, I just wanna say first off, I'm not a fan of doing interviews like at all. Like uh <laughs> so this is something that's taken me a while to just like realize all right this is something i gotta do regularly like i think one of the first interviews i did actually was with uh alicia eight and she like she saw i was gonna be at some show in canada and she was like i'll oh, see Holiday's is gonna be there we got to get an interview and me just being me i reply to a tweet and i'm like yeah something something whatever just and not thinking she was serious and then like i got at the show and she's there waiting and i'm like oh shit okay i was like let me do my match first and you know I did my match she's there she's not going nowhere like She's at my merch table. Like, she's like, I'm getting this interview. You said it. And I'm like, oh shit, I said this. Like, I got do this interview. I did the interview. Like, she had her own place set up. She had the questions ready. Like, it was actually one of my favorite interviews. Again, it's not something I like doing. Like, you know, as a wrestler, you put your socials out there. So you get, hopefully, this is not PG, you get a shit ton of emails all the time. Like, Hey, you want to do an interview? You want to do an interview? And sometimes, like people don't do their research. They ask you the same questions. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to do fifty interviews with the same questions. Like, you didn't do your research. You didn't see what this podcaster asked me or that I've told this story twenty thousand times. Like, yeah, it's it's a waste of time. Like, if it's already out there, like help me find something else. I don't want to do. And wrestlers don't want to do the typical interviews. Oh, when did you start training? Who trained you? Like, like one or two of those is good. And after a while, it's like if we're doing the same thing over and over, I don't need to do the same thing over and over. Hopefully that answers your
1: question. No, that's, that's fantastic. And for anyone listening out there who is, is interested in interviewing wrestlers in general, not just Holly Depp, anyone, keep that in mind, please. You know, no one wants to keep repeating themselves, as she said. And I actually checked out that interview that you had with uh, Alicia Aitow, and that was an excellent – you were cracking her up the whole time. <laughs> I mean, she couldn't stop laughing and what have you, which was really fun to see. That was a video interview, so folks, you can yeah. check that out on YouTube.
0: She, she called me out on Twitter. I didn't, you know, this is the first, this is the first she started start blowing up, and like, I just randomly replied, I'm like, yeah, whatever, sure, I'll talk to you. You know, I, I didn't think she was really about that life, you know. And she was about it. She was not leaving without doing an interview. As said, she was set up, ready to go. So respect to that. Respect to the professionals that come ready.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, Holiday, you're somebody who you're consistently in the mix of not just the woman's revolution, but the evolution of the wrestling industry. One of the things that I've noticed in following your career is that you seem to be right there when things are taking off and and when they're on the cusp of blowing up even greater. And and I really respect you for that, because that means that you're thinking you're, you're moving in the right direction. That's the main idea and you're putting in the work and you're helping things along. So talk to me about that. I mean, whether we're talking about things like wild superheroes, mission pro wrestling, what have you, what is it about your instinct that you find yourself with these promotions that are on the cusp and that are blowing up and you're right there with them?
0: I don't see myself as always being in the mix or whatever. For me, I feel like I'm always trying to be in the mix or trying to be in the right spot. So i don't know perception is everything and for me like i feel like i still have more to do i still have more to climb like i'm not where i want to be at as a from maybe a recognition standpoint so like i appreciate that you see it that way and people might see it that way uh for me uh i feel like there's still a lot more to do it's not it's not there or whatever
1: are you somebody who can you receive compliments are you are you comfortable (laughs) with that
0: I, I can receive them. I, I guess I don't feel that they're always warranted. Like, I don't, I don't know. So maybe yes and no. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll take them, but I, I don't know. I feel like I should be doing a lot more than I'm doing. So, I mean, I'll take the compliments. I appreciate it. I appreciate any recognition, absolutely. Uh, I just feel like I should be doing more. I asked
1: you that question because I'm definitely somebody who's not very good at taking compliments. I'm, I'm always on the move. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't spend enough time, and that's something I need to work on personally. I don't spend enough time smelling the flowers. I plant the garden and yeah. I keep going. When I think about you, when I think about Holiday, and again, I'm just observing here, you're somebody who is constantly moving so much that I I wonder if you realize the garden that you've already planted. It's like, let's take this PWI Women's 100, for example. Literally, there are countless wrestlers in the world. And regardless of the fact that the industry is so slow in acknowledging the hard work of women's wrestlers in particular, there are a ton of women's wrestlers all over the world you're ranked as one of the top 100. So when I say that to you, literally, you're in the women's 100, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, literally the standard in, in wrestling magazines and what have you. What comes to mind when you're being acknowledged on that type of level?
0: Eh, like that's my first reaction. Eh, um, it, it's cool, and I appreciate being recognized. Uh, I don't know. I want a little more. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know how to smell the flowers. You're right. You call it. You, you see it. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Yes, that's
1: it. I love it. And I, and I think that a lot of the more successful people, that's, that's a, a symptom. You know what I mean? Where also, it's like you're in the middle of it. You're moving. You're <laughs> living it. So it's, it's hard to stop because you got so much more to accomplish. You know, I had someone, um, Nita Monet. Okay, so this is Siren the Voodoo Doll. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Somebody who you've known for, you know, most of her career in the pro wrestling industry. And you've been on many tours. You've been involved with her, tagged with her, what have you. And she highlighted you in particular. She talked about Dead being a person who's like her rock in pro wrestling. Somebody that she can always go to for advice. Somebody who can help her calm down when her mind is racing and, and she's, she's trying to do too much and what have you. She she highlighted you as somebody who's just extremely supportive, and, and I thought that was interesting. And then I interviewed David McClain from Wild Superheroes, and he talked about Dead being one of the leaders and, and somebody who people can turn to and what have you. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. This is interesting. And then I spoke to Thunder Rosa, and she talked about her rock and somebody who's extremely supportive and somebody who's always there and... and, and, and she was talking about you, the people constantly talk about holiday as being a serious support system and somebody who they look to for guidance and what have you. So again, there's a theme here. I know I'm, I'm, I'm asking you questions that are, are related to each other here, but when your peers are talking about you that way, do you see yourself that way?
0: Uh, you asked a lot there. Okay. I'm trying to, trying to marinate it all in, in regard to say the answer. Um, do I see what my peers see? That's what
1: you're asking me to say? Yeah, and actually, let me rephrase the question even. Let me go a little deeper than that. Okay, well, deeper. Okay, okay. Are you conscious of the fact that you are actually helping your peers continue to stay grounded and be the best versions of themselves, especially at that stage in their careers? Are you conscious of this? Is this something that you wake up every day and you say, you know what, I'm just going to help people, and that's what I'm here to do? Or is this just a happy accident where it's like, you're just being you and, and by circumstance, that's one of the byproducts of you being you.
0: On the level that you asked it. No, like as far as the way you questioned it, am I conscious that I'm keeping like motherfuckers grounded and shit? Like, no, I no, I don't look at it like that. Like, um, again, I've said on many podcasts before, like, I love this. Like wrestling is my first love. Like it is a drug. Like it's something. If, if I woke up and could, choose something else to be as passionate about. I would it's because it's a, it's a love hate relationship, but like, I love this. And like, if I'm backstage and somebody's asking me something like their opinion on something, like I'm going to tell them the best answer that I feel is best for them. Best for the show, best for the match. Like, if somebody's backstage and needs some help, like, I don't like just my love for the business or whatever. Like I'm going to help anybody I can so that we can all put on the best show, put all put on the best matches to go out there and do like this fucking crazy thing. We love, um, I don't wake up as a conscious decision like I'm gonna change this or whatever or whatever I mean, I'm just a generally good person, and there's so many shit people in this business that don't do that, or they there are people who look for the opportunity to shit on somebody else or put them down or shit on somebody's name, drag somebody through the mud because of their own insecurities, and there's so much like ugliness in this business like I don't know, I just like I love it, and that's why I come from a place of passion so if you ask me something, you know, I don't, I don't go out of my way to like overstep nobody's toes, but if you come to me and ask me something, I'm going to tell you the best I can. Uh, and I mean, just in general, like people come to me and ask for advice, like not wrestling on personal shit. And I don't, I feel like uh, I'm one of those people I can probably help a lot of people, but not myself, if that makes any sense.
1: It comes back to the same theme. Again, not stopping and smelling the roses because you're in the middle of it. You just keep planting those gardens. There, That's deep. And it's everything that you're saying is something that a lot of the, the veterans and the big names have said Ric Flair is one of his biggest quotes doing interviews is that wrestling is one of the most insensitive businesses that you'll ever experience because yep. of exactly yep. what you just said there. So it's interesting that you phrased it that way. Uh, once again, folks, we're talking to holiday, one of the top 100 women's wrestlers in the world here. Now, holiday th- there's been some breaking news in the oh. science world. Right, Oh, oh so okay. tell
0: me, I'm interested.
1: No, they've, they've discovered that there is a possibility of life on Venus, uh, specifically in their atmosphere. There might be microorganisms that are, are actual living organisms. Uh, in the past month, in the past month, okay. this has is, this is, uh, come out here. So, okay. it, it, and I've had an astrobiologist. I've, I've had uh, Dr. Lucienne Wakovic on the show, and she talked about the, the possibility of the, the Universal Championship actually being defended in the universe. You know, as silly as that sounds, she was, she was a good sport, and she talked about the possibility of life being elsewhere and what that would mean and, and look like, especially as it relates to pro wrestling. So, here's my question to you this is the craziest question you've ever been asked. Okay. If an ET extraterrestrial were to drop down on earth today and and they were standing in front of you right now and they said to you explain to me who holiday the wrestler is how do you answer that question who is holiday for for somebody who's never watched you before from someone who doesn't really know much about pro wrestling who is holiday
0: okay so i'm not explaining this to an extraterrestrial just a regular person right
1: <laughs> no 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 we talk about somebody that I has I no clue extraterrestrial,
0: extraterrestrial, <laughs> i don't know if they speak english i can't use references because they don't know about movies and stuff so i'm saying that like you know
1: come Listen, on they, give me- <laughs> they they, they might have studied the dictionary so they might be on
0: board that speaks english and they know <laughs> some movie references and stuff okay and they they know some american terms and
1: and stuff i et et could speak english come on now come on
0: right i'm just saying i'm just saying i got <laughs> extraterrestrial different kind of explanation to a regular person but i right, i right, i understand where you are trying to go um how that is the person that when all this shit boils up inside their head that person that keeps everything inside they help everybody else but themselves and their shit starts to boil over and that, and that, that flip switches, you know, they, they turn into that incredible Hulk, that, that Dr. Jek- Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, that true self, them, that motherfucker that loves pain, that loves giving out pain, that just wants to hurt people and is full of fucking anger and rage. That's, that's all it is. I mean, I feel like that's a very simple explanation.
1: Listen, you got right to the point. And, and all anyone has to do, including you extraterrestrials out there, in case you're listening, all you have to do is watch a holiday match and you'll see exactly what she's talking about.
0: Go watch go the original Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I believe it's one from the 60s. Could be something like that. This motherfucker just spatially starts tripping out. He turns into this strange dude. He he likes to go, you know, do some illegal activities. I ain't gonna say Holiday is illegal activity, but he thrives, like he thrives off like that anger and that rage. And like, that, yeah, that's, that's Holiday. That's, you know, she's not a gimmick. That's my other person. And that's my mental therapy, you know, that she, you know, she gets that out. That's she her, sure that's does. Our, that's our therapy. Our therapy
1: sessions, we need them a lot. Yeah, I hear <laughs> that. In another, in another place, that clearly you're doing your therapy sessions is in the gym because you you maintain some great oh, shape. Yeah. That's that's very clear here. So I want to ask you about this for anybody who's paying attention. You know, we, a lot of us, unlike Holiday, Dead, you know, we have our COVID bodies. We, we've been we've been locked in the house, and maybe hey, be, no excuses. No
0: excuses.
1: <laughs> I, I knew that was, was coming. It's always something you can do. It's always well, something you can do. Well, 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 answer, answer one, this one for me. So aside from the physical there, what's a typical holiday meal? Like if you, you know, a, a typical meal throughout the day, what, do you, what are you normally eating and what have you, and, and what's your cheat when you really want to have a special treat there?
0: I'm not eating nothing special. I eat, I know people don't like to hear when they actually advise a fucking balanced meal. It's usually some chicken, some kind of rice that's flavored, and vegetables. I saute my vegetables, you know, a little extra seasoning on them. Some chicken. I, I like my garlic teriyaki chicken. Some rice, and it's portioned out on my plate. The carbs is usually half a cup, a cup of a cup of uh, protein, a cup of vegetables. Yes, every day, every fucking day. That's why you do, I do different chicken: garlic teriyaki, lemon pepper, parmesan garlic. So I don't get too boring. I don't really buy a lot of pork. I don't really eat a lot of uh, beef. Every now and then I'll do a steak, but you know, stick to your lean proteins: chicken, fish. Ground turkey, it's not that bad. Season it up, it's fine. Uh I only buy water. Like I don't I don't drink juice. I don't drink pop. And it's a lot of fucking sugar in that. People like to act. It's the simple shit we've been able to tell you since elementary. Follow your, your dietary charts. Uh but a cheat. Um the grocery store has some really good fucking fried uh chicken wings and mozzarella sticks. I usually get that. Maybe like a bottle of wine. I got my ranch dressing, marinara sauce on the side, maybe like a box of whoppers, some cherry sours. And that's it. Not, not a not a massive cheat, you know, just something out of the the regiment of regular healthy eating.
1: Now you you, you said something that kind of threw me off here. Okay, now no. I'm not no. trying to start nothing because like, like, clearly
0: you are. I, well, and I, I, I and I, I, really I want to be.
1: I, I want to be upfront, Hall of Dead. Okay, I, I think I can outrun you. 'Cause I, I I'm used to running away from from people who are bigger and stronger uh-huh. than me. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna act like you know what I'm saying? But I right, I'm not trying to talk tough. <laughs> <stupid>. <laughs> well
0: I'm not
1: I'm not trying spit to act out, tough. But I'm spit just saying out. if you if you show up outside my door, I'm going the other way. So just know that. Okay. Uh-huh. I stay okay. in sneakers. Just know that. Okay. You said pop. I now, did say pop, because that's what it's called. Pop. Okay, now
0: yeah.
1: I, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure if you're talking. About I mean, a-
0: some people like to call it soda. Whatever. Okay,
1: okay, okay. So it's soda, but Carbonated you called it beverage. pop. Yes, I do call it pop because that's what it's called. It's I, called pop. I, I need yeah. to know where this is coming from. I mean, who misguided you and, and had you say this <laughs> this terrible word? I mean, it's, it's soda. Everybody knows it's soda. It's
0: soda, soda. soda pop. Soda <laughs> pop. Yeah, and you put respect on the last name, right? Uh, that's been hey, that down for generations. Is the last name soda pop? So hello pop.
1: Okay. All your right.
0: last name is what people are gonna remember you by, right? That's yeah. what's gonna carry on to your grandkids or whoever and so forth, so forth. Now your first name,
1: Pop. So the pop. pop. All right. Pop. So I I gotta I am gonna you- I'm gonna put respect on Pop because I don't want any problems. Yeah. But. You know, I'm gonna have my control over Holiday because when she's not around, I'm gonna call her soda, but when she's around, I'm gonna call her pop. So she don't know that. But that's, that's okay. right. That's right. That's keep that right. here. And and you said that's you said right. you you said your ranch dressing. So are you a dipper? I, I had a whole show about this. I like to dip my chicken. Okay, I'm not one of those people that just eats plain chicken. I gotta have my di- I gotta have my barbecue sauce, my ranch. I have to dip. Are you a dipper? You mean like, do I like to dip it in or pour it out? Is that what you mean? Yeah, dip it in.
0: But like the the kind I got, you gotta pour it out. So like I like to pour them so that I can dip it. But I would prefer to dip it into something. That way you can get more of the meats. See, in the see? sauce. Uh huh. So I'm I with you. We it, we, we there, you know. We we We're there. On that. The,
1: the, yeah, pop the thing,
0: that's another that's another thing. But I'm with you. I'm with you on the dip.
1: You know, sometimes you just have to find the common ground. So we we couldn't there get we go, there with the go. pop, but we but we got there with that. <laughs> now you don't do any of the sports drinks there. You said you just drink water. So none of that other stuff, enhanced waters and things uh, like that? I do drink
0: a lot of coffee. Okay. Extreme amount of my, a caffeine. Um, okay. Like, I only usually drink, like, energy drinks usually on show days, but, like, around the house and, like, throughout the week. Like, I'm this caffeine addict over here, caffeine addict central. All
1: right, so it's, if, it's, if Holly Dead is, 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 is making the coffee, what is it? We, 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 let, let's, let's give it the whole nine yards here. I want to have a Holly Dead coffee right now. What am I doing?
0: Oh, ain't that, it ain't that special. I mean, it's just, you know. No, I mean at the house. I'm I, I'm a, I apologize to coffee drinkers. I do have the instant coffee. I have not, I've not upgraded my life and bought me a fancy coffee machine. I have used them before, but at home I'm quick. I'm on the go. so like I gotta I gotta boil that water up, pour it in, scoop, scoop, scoop. Let's go. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. I like the, I just like the way the shit, I like the way it tastes. I like the way coffee tastes.
1: Do you that's, have a particular brand that you prefer?
0: No. See, that's why I'm like the coffee head, Like, don't kill me. Like, you know, I'm not. I I do the instant coffee scoop scoop, you know. I mean wow. I buy it every now and then, but I mean cuz I cuz I go through so much of it. so It's just easier and it's more frugal. I'm a very frugal person. So it's more frugal for me. Like I'm not I'm not one of those brand people. Like if the ingredients is all the same, I don't I don't give a fuck. Like I buy the fucking the the off-brand medicine and stuff. It has the same ingredients as the shit that costs $2 more, you know? Like I'm not oh. I'm not one of those people.
1: I'm trying yeah, to tell folks, sure. I, I see, I, I've been dealing with the allergies, which is not something I had until recently. And instead of getting the $20 bottle of allergy medication, I'll go to Walmart and for 98 cents, yeah, get a, you get yeah. a two week supply. And, and let me tell yeah. you something. It's just as effective. I keep telling folks. Okay. Um, I mean,
0: people want to spend their money. I think they got top dollar. All right, turn the turn the box over. Look at the ingredients. Same thing, same thing. This one, $5 less. We Good, good. I wouldn't say that the same as coffee. Coffee is different. Coffee definitely has, you know, some more high quality brands and some more shitty brands. There was a time when I was drinking just black coffee and I found out, you know, if you drink the shitty brands it's gonna taste a little worse if you drink the upper brands for the black coffee. So that it does matter. It does matter. You gotta you gotta try, try things out. But I'm a caffeine addict in the way of I drink coffee. I, I eat fucking chocolate covered uh
1: Coffee beans.
0: Yes, I do. Like they're Tic Tac, so <laughs>
1: Oh man, so listen, any any of you coffee companies out there, if you're listening right now, one yes. of the best endorsements that you can get yes. is literally one of the one of the top wrestlers in the world, Holla Dead. She wants oh, to try you, your mate. product. What's up? What's up? Yes. Okay. We're give, gonna put Duke, that out. Give
0: there. me that Duke. Give me that. Let's let's do that. Let's let's make this the goal of this
1: podcast. <laughs> I, I I think I think we can make that happen. Because here's what you don't know, Holiday. I'm coffee, part of the coffee, coffee core. Too. I'm part of a group of coffee drinkers from all over the world, and we we tweet about coffee every single day. So okay. I'm gonna have to okay. reach out to some of my coffee connections out here and see who, yes. who, who wants who wants a real uh, person to endorse their product. There, you got to give her a taste though. We got to check it out. So,
0: oh, I'll do I'll do a video of the whole nine. Let's go.
1: We go. We go. I'm
0: be emailing you about this now too. Uh-oh, Cup. see?
1: And listen, I, I I better make it happen because, again, Hall of Dead is is – anyone who's ever seen her matches, folks, you know, she is not one to play with out there. I don't want any problems. I'm just going to say that right now. I don't mm-hmm. want any problems. And, you know, I wonder about that, though, because so many people these days – in wrestling, they they want to do the flippy-dippy uh, peanut butter skippy and all this other nonsense. The flippy-dippy. <laughs> <You> know, <but laughs> they, that's okay. all they want to do. But I notice in your matches you're you're very deliberate about working body parts and telling a story, and you want to pick your opponent apart piece by piece. You don't necessarily have time for all that fancy stuff. You just want to kick somebody's ass. So how important is it to – get the basics down, the fundamentals when it comes to pro wrestling, instead of all of this the du age stuff there.
0: I just, I just want to go back and say, just cause I don't do a whole bunch of flippy dips and stuff. That doesn't mean what I do ain't, ain't fancy. I just want to point that out. First, first of all, first and foremost, you said I don't do the fancy stuff. I don't do no 450 splashes, nothing, but that don't mean my shit ain't fancy. Okay. But, uh, back to your, your original question. How important is the basics foundation? Uh, very important. Um, I mean, you know, I originally trained with Gangrel and, like, that was one of his things is, like, you have to know your basics. You have to know your foundation. Like, it was certain stuff. Like, we couldn't even get into the ring until we learned because it was, like, cause some you see new people all the time. They want to get in the ring. They think they want to bump. They want to hit ropes. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's, like, you don't even, you shouldn't even touch the ring or the ropes until you learn, like, certain holes, lockups, different things. Like, those are the first things you should know. It's, like, okay, you know this. Now you can get in my ring. Like, you have to know that because, like, no matter what, you can always come back to your basics, your foundation. What the, the, Every house needs a foundation or that shit crumbles. And I've seen, like, so many newer people come in and they just want to learn flips or stuff. Or I see people, like, they're somebody's girlfriend and they start as a manager. And then all of a sudden they're teaching them, like, hurricanranas or, like, very flippy luchador type stuff. When they don't even know how to lock up or do a, you know, a wrist lock, a waist lock, they don't know their basics. So, like, I could never put them in a match because they don't know how to wrestle. They just want to come do this high flying stuff. And that's cool. Like, I feel like learn your basics and then pick a style like, and everybody doesn't have to do flips, but if that's your style, okay. But you still need to know how to wrestle. You still need to know, like, what if the ropes break? You still got to have a match. Then you can't do all your flippy shit. You can, can you wrestle? Can you do some holes? Can you still have a match without these ropes? I don't even know where I'm going with this, but um yes, you gotta have, you gotta have a foundation and then build to that. Okay, this is gonna be my style. This is what I want to learn. But you ain't gonna never forget where you
1: come from or your foundation ever. Another great thing about you is that you're very safe in the ring, and I think that. Oh, say these that again. Days, say it again. You are very safe in the ring. Oh, your thank you, your dude. stuff thank looks. You, dude. I appreciate it. <laughs> your stuff looks devastating, but I have never heard anybody you know having to go lay up for six months after they've been in a match with you per se because you you're a professional, and that's the main idea, folks. Please be a professional. Get reputable training i mean you trained with somebody who was in the biggest promotions and 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 did it on the on the highest scale what have you and now is continuing to train (laughs) some of the best wrestlers out there so that's great to know shout out to to gang grow and you know something that you you dipped your toe in now and you've been doing it with mission pro wrestling is commentary so what's that all about what's 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 this this commentary deal with with holiday (laughs) because i was very surprised pleasantly surprised to hear you behind the mic like that.
0: Pleasantly surprised. Okay. Thank you. From you, I will take that. All right. Um, I knew Thunder was doing the whole, you know, all women's thing, like, after the whole speak out and stuff, she, you know, wanted to make a change or whatever. Like, I saw her make a post on Facebook or something, you know, about it saying if anybody wants to help. I just jokingly, sarcastically replied on her post like, yeah, you need somebody on commentary, let me know. Like, I was just joking. And then I hit up Brian, her husband, on a serious note. I was like, hey, if y'all need something for the show, let me know. I'll, I'm down to help, whatever. And he was like, oh, I think Thunder put you down for commentary. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing commentary. Oh, I guess this is legit. And I messaged, you know, Thunder. She was like, yes, we need you. She's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing commentary. Um, it was not nothing I ever legit thought about. Again, you know, I just said a joking comment. It was taken serious. And, you know, and then I'm like, oh, this is happening. I should prepare or whatever. Like, I mean, I... And a lot of independent shows don't have commentary, and I and I feel it's something that definitely adds when you watch a show with no commentary versus commentary. And show I've I've heard some shows that have like some not so good commentary, and that's one thing um, you definitely want because it can take away from the show. So I mean, you know, I, I've seen enough and heard enough to you know you know you got to know who the, the people wrestling are, do your background on them. This just so happened. Shout out to Brittany Nicole. We just we just clicked. We just vibed. Um, you know I had never met her before you know we we met online but not in person and and we just got to the table we just clicked it was it was like that natural chemistry so luckily it, w- it wasn't hard it was just you know talk about this shit I love and and watch my friends beat each other up
1: i can i can it. tell you as a as a lifelong fan and somebody who you know i i've grown up really appreciating commentary i'm a I'm a guy that's really into people who do interviews and and are expressive and talk about things, describe what I'm what I'm watching so I can process it even more. And you and Brittany are like a mix of I would say she if she's Gorilla Monsoon, you're Jesse the Body Ventura and Vince McMahon put together. I mean literally I'll take, I'll take that. Okay. I'll take you, that. Okay. Every single high impact move, all I heard was Dead go, oh, oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was I was into it. I was into it. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it.
1: Sorry. <laughs> but you know what's <laughs> fun about that? Isn't that what pro wrestling is supposed to be about? That's what it's supposed to be about. <laughs> yeah, have some fun. And, and and it really, like you said, it did enhance what we were watching. It made every high-impact move mean something that much more. Because if somebody, if a badass like Hollywood is going, oh, then it's like, oh. You know what I mean? For me as a viewer. <laughs> And now I can, I can feel every move because you're making me feel every move on top of me seeing it. You know what I mean? So it just, right. it's it's really great. And, and I think that the, the two of you make a good combination with each other there. So I, I look forward. Hopefully we continue to hear the both of you together on those cards and, and, and wherever because, honestly, that's, that's a we need to hear more women on commentary, number one, mm-hmm. and especially women who know what they're talking about. And, and Holla Dead, you know all the wrestlers because you wrestle them, you work them, you know all the moves. So your color, and that's what you're really doing, you're doing color commentary on, on your mm-hmm. end there, it's so important, and it's professional, and, and, and it's credible. I, I would love to hear more of that. In addition to seeing you kick everybody's ass, so that means you gotta, You got to continue <laughs> to do double duty. That's okay. That's okay. But <laughs> please don't stop commentating. That's, that's just my ah, personal see, I there. I mean,
0: I, I will, but I ain't going to lie. You know, I'd, I'd rather, if I had to choose commentating or wrestle. I'm going to pick wrestling first. I wasn't scheduled to, to be on that card. Something happened, and I was asked to do the pre-show, so I did that. Then went back to commentary, double duty. It happens. But, I mean, you know, I, I can't lie sitting there watching my friends, you know, go at each other and lay it in and do do what they love to do, you know. I was a little jealous, like, oh, kind of want to be wrestling, you know. So it, it it's hard. It's hard when you would rather wrestle than commentate. So it's a hard mindset to get in, like, all right, I'm here to do this. Let me focus on this. It's hard to sit there and watch because you kind of want to jump from the table and get out there. So, you know, I'm I'm on this. I'm on this next one. After this, I don't know. I don't know. I'm have to tell Thunder like I don't know. I might I might need a match. I don't know. I don't know.
1: And, every, everybody listening, let's let's just we, if we got to do like a hashtag or something, we want we want haul Dead on double duty. So that's all right. And, <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> only if, if
0: they're paying. Only if they pay. That's right.
1: I, I was I gotta, about I gotta, to say that.
0: I got to put that out there. <laughs> I got to put that out there. This is not no – this ain't no two-for-one rate, nothing like that. You got to pay. If you ain't trying to pay, that's cool. We don't – that's fine. I'm not the person for you. That's okay. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> so we, we, we can't have it our way. It's not Burger King. So we, we got you know, to pay I mean, you can.
0: <laughs> you can. You can get your way at Burger King, but you got to pay. You want this extra sauce and that, they they charge you for that. It's the same – economy basics one. Come on, people. Come
1: that's on. right. That's right. I love it. I love it. And, and, you know, you have such a great personality. Seriously, Holiday. Again, and let's not mistake this fact, you are terrifying. I mean, you're literally terrifying, but you have a great personality on top of that. So it's an interesting mix there. Why don't you let everybody know, if, if anyone listening right now, especially you coffee companies out there, I'm really talking to you. If anyone yes. listening right now wants to reach out to you and, and do some business or what have you, what's the best way to reach Holiday?
0: You can reach me at my professional business email, which is for business inquiries only. That is holidaywrestling at gmail.com. H O L I D E A D, wrestling at gmail.com. I have a Facebook fan page. It's called Holiday. You can follow me on Twitter at Holiday, or you can follow me on Instagram at Holiday and I. That's one word. H-O-L-I-D-E-A-D-A-N-D-I. Holiday and I. Because we're two people if you were listening. haha. <laughs> um, if you would like to purchase some merchandise, you can go to storefrontier.com slash holiday. And if you are a super fan and you would like to get some exclusive content that only you will see, you can go to www.patreon.com slash So There's plenty of places to see me, catch up with me, get in touch with me. So I hope to hear from you, especially coffee, caffeine people. I'm all about those chocolate-covered coffee beans. If anybody out there would like me to be their
1: test dummy, I got you. Before I let you go, and, and this is a big one, this is a big one. In society, the most disrespectful person in, in this nation is the black woman. I mean, literally, it's just amazing the, the type of hoops and challenges and things that black women face in our nation on a consistent basis in every industry. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. It's just a thing. You're somebody who has been on television. You've been on web shows. You are out there making a name for yourself. You're ranked one of the, the top 100 people in your field doing what you're doing. What do you say to the, to the young people? What do you say to the young people who are watching you right now and looking up to you and you know, planning on following your lead, whether it be in pro wrestling or other aspects of life? What do you say to those folks there who are, who are paying attention to you?
0: Oh. Someone looking up to me, oh, bless your heart. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Life is hard, man. Um, It's not easy, you know. Um, Our starting line is not the same. Um, And you got to recognize that depending on who you are, where you're from, what color you are, what country you're in, you know, what race, what gender you are. Uh, Life is hard. And I I can't say that, you know, it's made to be easy. If there's something you want out there, you got to work for it and know that, like, work doesn't stop. For some of us, um, we'll always, some of us, we will always be those people that anything we have to get in life, we got to crawl, claw, scratch at always. And the hustle never stops. Even if you feel you got one thing, it don't fucking matter. You got to keep hustling because the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And life is not fair. There will be some people who will get into positions because of their associations, who they choose to be with, by the type of person they try to be. Some people are conniving. Some people will kiss ass. Some people will bring others down falsely just to help lift themselves up and that's something you got to be aware of it's a lot in the pro wrestling business but just in life in general like life is hard life is not fair people don't want to hear about you cry and complain find, get you a good circle of good people that you can tell your problems to about and they can help uplift you and you can help uplift each other because shit is hard especially right now in the pandemic a lot of us are going through a lot some people are more open about what they're dealing with. A lot of us aren't. A lot of us are dealing with some stuff every day, and we, we don't have nobody to talk to. We can't talk to nobody about it. Just just keep fighting, doing your best to keep pushing for what you want and to find your, your own happiness. I don't know if I answered the question. Again, I start rambling. That's my answer.
1: <laughs> A conversation that was one year in the making, and it certainly didn't disappoint. So shout-out to Dead, really cool person, Someone who is so selfless, now, she spends a lot of time helping out her peers, and as she admitted, you know, probably more time spent doing that than helping out herself. But I mean, that's just who she is. She's a giving person, and I know that at times, folks, you know, that can be a challenge when you are so willing to help others that sometimes it can get in the way of your own personal goals or what have you. I truly believe. That the more good you put out in the world, one way or another, it's going to find its way back to you. So stay the course. Now, obviously, don't be a fool. I'm not saying that. But stay the course. Help others. And you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised in the end what that can materialize and find its way to in terms of something positive in your own life. So got a lot of time for Hollow Dead. And we'll be checking back with her again. Congratulations on your Pro Wrestling Illustrated Women's 100 ranking as well, because that's definitely well deserved, well earned there. So as I continue to sip on my Navitas Organics, you know I put a little of that, uh, maca powder in my drink here. So I'm feeling all right, got a little bit of energy boost. You know we're we're going from the crazy. Switching of the seasons. You know, we're getting out of summertime, going into fall, so it's hot, it's cold, it's hot, it's cold, you know, allergy season, all this good stuff, hurricanes, winds, everything. Ooh, all over the place. So please make sure you're you're not only are you washing your hands and you're wearing your mask, but you know, load up on those vitamins. Just be on the safe side there, folks. If not, I'm gonna send Hollow Dead to come to your house. Okay. You don't want to play any games. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Okay, we got a great interview lined up coming up next here. In fact, I love anything that will cast a positive light on this medium that we love so much, right? Because listen, let's let's not kid ourselves here. Life is challenging. Life can be rewarding, but it can also be very difficult. So we turn to our different forms of entertainment, and we turn to sports in order to have something to focus on and escape from the craziness of of life, right? So because of that, it's always cool when you come across something that, again, it it allows you to think of sports and think of entertainment in a positive manner, and, and it teaches you something, keeps you coming back for more. You feel good about being a fan, right? And that's part of the reason why I like to have authors on the show, you know, we've had everybody from the, the wrestling journeyman Dusty Wolf and Scotty from Wrestler Weekly who had that, you know, family bacon and wrestling book. And all, all sorts of folks, Guy Evans who had the, uh, the Nitro book where he literally told the history of what happened in WCW, how it ultimately went down the drain there. I love to talk to the authors because you're talking about people who are able to gain access. And who can get into the nitty gritty of what's going on behind the scenes and really help tell a story, you know? And and you can learn something that maybe you never knew before. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So, in keeping up with that tradition, you know, I I was introduced to someone who is an extremely talented sports blogger, but is also an author. It's come up with a really unique book here that is about sports in general, but there is a little bit of wrestling mixed in there. And I said, you know, something, I got to get this guy on the show. We got to talk about this on the air. So without further ado, the author of The Mental Side of Sports, which is a workbook, by the way, the one, the only Eric Simpson. What's going on there, Eric?
2: Yeah, everything's going great today, Duke. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And first and foremost, Eric, let's start with something here because you are a sports blogger. Uh, That is your your primary focus during the day there, and you're somebody that's pretty well respected by athletes, you know, uh, multi-generations and from all over the world. What's the secret sauce, man? What's the secret to your success where you're able to gain the trust and admiration of so many uh, big-time athletes?
2: Well, I've been very lucky to have been involved in uh, pro sports one way or another since I'm almost 10 years old, and the secret... it it shouldn't really be a secret. It's kind of well-known is what happens in the room stays in the room. Uh, These athletes are real people. It's not about hundred million dollar contracts and they have a life before this glory happened for them. And they're going to have a life afterwards and they deserve a little bit of the respect. And that's why I decided to write this book.
1: Why do you think it's so common for people to not, Play the game that way. People are constantly reaching out to publications, you know, TMZ or something like that. They're trying to sell photos, they're trying to sell dirt and what have you. Why is it that way, Eric?
2: Well, it's funny that you actually said that because I was actually turned down by a major publication because they told me that I write like a Hallmark card. And I guess it just comes down to that bad stories or uh, bad experiences are what sells. And that's very sad because that kind of puts us in the situation that we are today where things really aren't changing.
1: You know, that's a, that's a great, great comment there. And let me let me dial it back for a second here. You were told that you write like a Hallmark card. So I'm, I'm assuming that means that you're a little too positive, huh?
2: Absolutely. Uh, they told me there were certain stories where I wanted to, you know, t- bring out something positive that a player had done. And they said, well, that story will sell for a day. And that's a beautiful story. But we need the negative side, you know, that that player was out in the club till late at night and his teammates are angry at him. And I just, you know, I've just been very, very blessed over the years from lots of different sports, from professional soccer, to professional hockey, uh, to the invasion of when when the Gracies came here and introduced Brazilian jiu-jitsu to America, to have been told some stories. And I just, I don't, I don't reveal things that shouldn't be revealed, but I try to bring out the good side that maybe somebody can learn from some of the experiences that they've had.
1: It's so interesting to hear that because first and foremost, who doesn't love a Hallmark card? You know, when we think about birthdays and, and, and anniversaries and holidays and what have you, that's, that's the thing to do. You go out and you get a Hallmark card for your loved one to show your appreciation. So the fact that somebody was able to uh, say you write like a Hallmark card and say it as if it was an insult, that is just, that blows my mind, man. Wow. Wow.
2: I, I took it as a compliment because I have friendships uh, that go back 30 years in professional soccer, that go back over 30 years in professional hockey with guys that I can call up at a moment's notice. And I've earned that respect from them that if I needed something and it was important, they understood if it's important to me that it's become important to them. And that friendship is something I was not willing to cross.
1: Yeah, and kudos to you for maintaining uh, some dignity and and maintaining respect for the, the folks that you cover. You know, not only your sports blog, but hey, you have this great book here that just was released, The Mental Side of Sports, which is a workbook, and I know that my audience in particular are going to be interested in the portion about George the Animal Steel, literally a WWE Hall of Famer, one of the most enigmatic and and well-known wrestlers of the past 40 years or so here. Um, Talk to me about that because you actually have direct quotes from the animal. So you, you were able to
2: meet George Steele at some point. We actually did the interview over the phone because at the point when we were introduced through a mutual friend, he was going through Crohn's disease, Steele. So his health was a little bit in deterioration and he wasn't quite up to, I was willing to make the drive uh, up to Cocoa Beach where, where, where he lived, but he just felt that we could accomplish what we needed to by speaking on the phone. If he needed to take some breaks, we would stop. I would call him the next day and he is absolutely an amazing man and I was shocked by some of the things that I had learned. I mean, I grew up watching you know, wrestling in that time, and uh, I was a little shocked to know or to realize he only wrestled during the summers. He was not a 12-month wrestler, and there's a good reason for that. He was a school teacher, and he was a head football coach, and he's a Hall of Fame football coach in in Michigan as well. He, He was there for 25 years. He never wrestled, well, not never, but for the most part, only wrestled during those months of summer.
1: Can you imagine how, how just amazing George the Animal Steel must have been that he was able to not only afford to do that, where he could take most of the year off and, and just wrestle primarily at times when school wasn't, wasn't happening, but also the fact that the promoters kept bringing him back. You know, that that is just a, a fascinating fact that I I doubt most people knew. If you want to remember who George the Animal Steel was, especially some of you younger folks there, just think back to WrestleMania three, okay, when the macho man Randy Savage and he had that thing with uh, Miss Elizabeth and George Steel came out there during the match against Ricky the Dragon's Steamboat and he was trying to protect Miss Elizabeth. There's a whole to-do about that, folks. Uh, but that big, bald, hairy guy, and, and this was pretty much at the, the tail end of his professional wrestling career at that point, that was George Animal Steele, a guy who started off as a vicious heel, and then over time he became a beloved baby face. Oh, by the way, in his outside-of-wrestling world, just like Eric said, not only was he a, a football coach, but he was also a teacher. So can you imagine having the animal as your teacher? You better make sure your homework's on time when you're messing around with a guy like that, huh,
2: Eric? Absolutely. But the other part of it is, it didn't start out that way for him. He really had to go through a lot. Now, this is way back in the mid-1940s when he's attending school. But I don't know how many people knew that he had suffered from dyslexia and the bullying was beyond anything that that he could deal with at that point. Now, it's obviously a little different now, even though still bullying is going on in school, but he had serious learning challenges as a child. So for him to become a teacher, and it's only because of one person that gave him some limited help, that he persevered, and just that small kindness on someone caring about him made a change. So that is what kind of fuels me to make the story to write about the stories that I do because maybe I'm going to change someone else's life and we can pass this forward a little bit maybe somebody reads a chapter and then realizes hmm okay I'm treating my schoolmate that way why do I do it well that's why my boss said this to me but it was one counselor at Michigan State Where he had accepted a scholarship to play football, that suddenly realized maybe we should start having this guy take his exams orally because he has a lot of intelligence. And that one little bit of kindness turned it all around. He ended up going to a reform school once he blew his knee out at Michigan State, realized that it was not going to be a career for him in pro football. He went to a reform school started teaching there and the rest was 25 years of history. Just
1: fascinating, fascinating stuff. Again, something about someone who is so famous, so revered. And yet I, you know, very few people know that, that backstory about his life there. That's just, that's something else there. And Eric, I, I know that you, you'd mentioned that you were a, a wrestling fan growing up as well. Um, And now you you even cover mixed martial arts. So here's my question to you. Do you feel that the modern day mixed martial arts, especially, you know, the UFC scene and what have you, is that a little bit more pro wrestling in terms of the way the fan base is is interested in it and is following it? Do do you find some parallels between MMA and and pro wrestling from back in the 70s and the 80s?
2: Absolutely. I think that with all of the media coverage that goes on with MMA and the amazing personalities that these guys have and each one has a different story. I mean, that's the thing. This is not just, you know, a United States mixed martial arts. No, we've got major personalities from all over the world, you know, from the Brazilians to the Russians to some some very talented fighters from the UK. Everybody kind of associates something with one of those fighters. And I think it comes from that as children, parents throw their kids into AYSO soccer, you play Little League. But I, from what I remember from being a youngster, was also there was always a karate class. Oh, I'm going to put my child in karate. I'm going to do this. So I think we can associate with these MMA fighters.
1: Sure, sure. I mean, I can remember the, the infancy of uh, UFC and seeing folks like Royce Gracie and Ken Shamrock, Dan the Beast Severin. You know, Shamrock and Severin have been on this show before. Uh, my favorite, Oleg Tektarov, the Russian bear. You know, th- these, are, these are mythical names uh, in MMA, but you, you bring up a great point. Each had their own backstory that helped fuel this myth of who they are. Um, are we missing some of that today in, in modern MMA?
2: Um, if I understand the question correct, um, actually, if you could be kind enough just to repeat the question, so I make sure I answer it properly for you. Well,
1: when, when I say names like <laughs> Hoyce Gracie, when I say Dan the Beast Severn, when I when I say Ken Shamrock, Oleg Tektarov, these these early names. Uh, from the infancy of UFC it feels like we don't have these mythical stars today like we did back then and I think part of it is the storytelling now this is just my position as a fan uh, but I want to get your take because you're somebody who actively covers the sport what do you think when I when you hear me say something like that do you feel that the Was it that there were less fighters back then, so it was easier to elevate someone? Or what do you think there, Eric?
2: You hit it on the nose, exactly. There are some amazing stories and some amazing characters right now that are in this sport, but it's saturated. That's, that's That's the truth of it. There are too many fighters that are getting a little bit less of the attention versus the early days. Funny that you should talk about some of the old names. In one of my other books, um, actually, the gentleman that was in the first fight ever against Gerard Gordeaux, Taylor Tooley, who happens to be on, uh, his real name is Taylor Willie, and he's on uh, the old Hawaii Five-0, um, was actually chapter one of one of my books, and was a fascinating, fascinating gentleman. Uh, what a family man. Well, he was he was un he was unbelievable. That was the man that that was in the first fight. That got his tooth knocked out and then didn't know how to react. He was the sumo wrestler. Um, but back to your question, I just think it's it's just oversaturated. Um, there's only so many shows a person can watch in a in a three week period. You can't watch a Tuesday night show from Fight Island and then Saturday there's another show and then the following week there's another show there's only so much attention that can be paid to all these fights I think
1: That's an interesting take that's that's a really interesting take there and I agree I agree and it's funny that you mentioned that first fight again the the sumo wrestler who the size difference between him and his opponent was so dramatic and yet it was the little guy who ended up winning that fight if i 'm not mistaken there um, boy that it, it, and that was the infancy of of u f c that 's how it all kicked off right
2: absolutely that was that was fight number one and uh, it was gerard Gordeaux from uh, from the Netherlands, and he caught him coming in uh, it was you know memory serves me well it was uh, it was a knee that he took to the mouth and um Knocked his tooth out and, you know, Taylor didn't quite know how to react or what to do and ended up going down. And the fight was finished, you know, before the first commercial had even had a chance to, <laughs> to get queued up. And uh, obviously many changes went on and it's, you know, far more structured environment. Um, a little more, I mean, no disrespect to any of the people in the first few, but it's just far more structured now. Um, there were unlimited rounds and, and so forth in the
1: beginning. Well, sure, and then you had the they had tournaments where, you know, Dan Severn would could fight four people in the same night, which was just unheard of. It just didn't even make any sense when you consider what we see today in modern MMA. Certainly safer uh, than it was back then. I mean they they had to figure out that you had to take away the fish hooking and the eye gouging and some of these these dirty moves there, um, but. Now, those are the Wild Wild West days of uh, mixed martial arts, and it's just interesting to see the evolution. And to talk to someone like yourself who covers it, it's that's a, that's
2: pretty cool. I think it's in a great place. Um, I, I don't want it to be construed as negative that there are so many fighters. I think it's amazing that there are so many fighters from around the world. I mean, there were weight classes that were added, um, and of course, we haven't even spoken about the – the women who are absolutely unbelievable and maybe in the first initial, you know, looking at, we're going to do this. Oh, we're never going to do this. And then figuring out that it was the right thing to do. It's, uh, I have, I actually have Jessica Aguilar in this book. Uh, she's known by Jag in the industry and she was one of the early pioneers that by the time it finally came to fruition, where, women were being more recognized in the sport she was kind of coming to the tail end of her premier years but she is hands down one of the greatest interviews that i've ever had and her chapter happens to be on team about understanding the value of the people around you so her lesson for the readers who get the book is going to be really really nice
1: that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And, and and again, you have such a wide variety of athletes who are part of your book, again, The Mental Side of Sports, which is a workbook, and lessons learned. The, you know, one of the things that you said to me offline, Eric, that I thought was interesting, you said, this is the type of book that you can you can take what you need from it right now and then you can put it down and then come back to it because one of the main points here is that the goal is to apply some of these lessons that you learn from these athletes and what have you. These are these are general life lessons that regardless if you're a UFC fighter or, or, or a pro wrestler or you're in the NHL or what have you, or you're just an accountant or a police officer or a teacher, uh, these are things that apply in life. Am I correct in that?
2: Absolutely. Um, you know, there are chapters in this book about – understanding um that authority figures are always watching you i always find that's an interesting concept with let's say high school athletes they think they can just kind of get away with what they want to get away with but they don't understand that that there are people from the universities who are looking at them that might park in the parking lot at lunch and look over and see somebody acting like a fool oh is that a guy we really want in our in our university Um, so I find that to be a, it was an interesting chapter. It happened to be about a soccer player that was on a reality show. Um, I have chapters on reaching for your dreams, mentorship and guidance. Um, a lot of, there are a few of the chapters which kind of relate back to paying your dues and understanding your role. Doesn't mean staying in your role, but just kind of understanding your role at the moment. And what will you do to, increase your role in whether it's at work or whether it's a school, whether it's on the team.
1: You know, it's so funny that you say that, Eric, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deep dive for a second with you on something because I, I got a concept on a personal level that I, that I consistently talk about because um, I have a background in management and I have a passion for not only recruiting but pr- hiring, promoting, and, and seeing folks move up. You know what I mean? It's not enough to just have people on your team, but figure out what their, their goals are in life. And then, hey, if you, if you put in and do what I need you to do, in return, I'm going to help you get to where you're trying to go in life. So it's, it's, a, it's a positive give and take between the two of us. But um, one of the things that I, I was conscious of at an early age, and it's something that I still do in every aspect of life, not everybody can be the superstar Right. Like if, if you're playing sports or, or something, not everybody's going to be the person that's going to score the most baskets in a game. Uh, but the person who's scoring the most baskets in the game probably can't play the best defense because they need to focus on scoring. They need to okay. get down the court sooner so you can get the ball to them so they can put it in. Right. So Absolutely. when you look around the, the, the court and you look at your team and you figure out, You know, somebody wants to be the best scorer. The other person probably wants to be the best scorer, so they're going to go back and forth, and that one wants to be the one to distribute the ball. Well, where do I fit in? Well, I would always be the guy that would just do the rebounding and be the guy that would be focused on defense because the best offense is a good defense. And even when I play video games, um, I usually, if it's a team game, whether it's one of those shoot 'em up games, you know, Rainbow Six Siege, or whether it's a basketball game or a football game, what have you, I find myself taking these roles where I'm filling the gap where the team needs in order to win. So instead of trying to be the best at the, at the most popular thing in the game, I'm just trying to figure out where, where do we have a, a hole? Let me fill that hole so we can we can secure the victory because all I care about is winning at the end. What, what do you think about that just based on some of the conversations that you've had and even
2: your own personal life did? Well – I'm I'm in agreement with you. Um, as an athlete myself, when I was growing up, I went through all of the different roles where I was the superstar at one point, and then got a little lazy. I mean, how many goals can a guy score in a soccer game at one time? Right? I mean, where where was my work ethic? I'm already scoring five goals in a game. And this is back at a time when players were not recruited to go overseas, so I'm just playing in my local travel team and lost it. And then I was on the side where I was one of the last guys coming on the bench. Um, it's a humbling experience, but I'll tell you, I, throughout my life um, have followed you know the same lead as you have, filling in the gaps. And I guess it came from my own my own self feeling of captainship. I always enjoyed being a captain and I always enjoyed seeing others succeed. So it's not something that everybody can do. Um, and that's because we kind of come right now in this era from a sense of entitlement and a sense of instant gratification. And not everybody can do that role. Duke, um, Everybody should be able to do that role and understand, but everybody wants wants it now. Um, you know, even in, in the travel circuit that I was involved with some, you know, a little while back in here in, in, in Florida for soccer. End of a game. A parent doesn't like that you move their kid's position. Give me the card. We're transferring to another team. I mean, like, nobody bothers to think. There, was, there wasn't there was even a question of, Why did you put my child in in defense today? My son is your right forward, scores all your goals. Didn't even think to come and ask me. It was just the immediate threat. And the reality was, the answer to that question was, I put that child at right defense for that game because A, we were playing a team that we could easily beat. We were a very talented team. And I wanted that child to understand the role of the player who plays behind him. To make him a better forward, if he could now understand the mirror image, who the player who plays behind him, what that person's role was, that maybe it would help to increase their real role on the team. But the parent immediately was like, give me the card, we're transferring to another team. So... Not everyone can do what you did as a child, and what I did for the most part. I mean, I made mistakes like anyone else. Obviously, I have plenty of skeletons in my closet, but it's not an easy thing to do, Duke. Well,
1: that's 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 an interesting um, point to drive home there, using that personal experience. But and, and you're absolutely right. We're 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 speaking the same language here. Everybody wants to be the star, and sometimes it's more important to for them to have the high score as opposed to the ultimate goal, which is we're trying to win here, right? We're trying to accomplish something. We're trying to move in a certain direction. And that's why you often find, you see it even in the NBA uh, finals this year, where you have the LA Lakers, who is this, this team of superstars, going up against the Miami Heat when very few people can name one player on the Miami Heat because they're just a team of, of actual – they're a team. You know, they, A lot of folks liken them to the old Detroit Pistons uh, yeah. that shocked everybody and won a championship about 15, 20 years ago. Um, but I love this. I, I, I really appreciate what you're doing, Eric, because you're, you're allowing folks to learn about some of their favorite and most celebrated athletes from various sports, and in the process, learning life lessons – that hopefully will make them stop and think about their own lives and how they can make adjustments and as you said you know hopefully make this place better for all of us because ultimately that's the point you know let's help each other let's be kind to each other so that we continue to exist in as, as positive a society as we possibly can have you know that's good stuff man so tell everybody eric please first of all how can they get the book because now that we've given so much of a teaser here, I'm sure there's some folks listening that are definitely going to want to check it out there. What's the best way that they can get the book?
2: Well, there are two different versions of it and both can be purchased at my website, uh, where, where all of my blog stories, the previous stories are, and that would be at, uh, www.sportsinterviews.net. And there may be some other stories on there that they might enjoy as well. Um, you know i've been very very fortunate to cover people from crash ice are you, are are you familiar with crash ice that's where the four no. skaters come down um, Oh, it's an amazing sport that, that, that is under Red Bull. It's four ice skaters coming down a course and racing to the bottom. And, oh, it's absolutely fascinating. Actually, I think, f- I think Red Bull
1: hosted one of those here in Boston uh, at some yes, point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I exactly, absolutely.
2: Yeah. At Fenway uh, Park. Absolutely. At Fenway Park. Yes. <laughs> they are amazing, amazing athletes. And the thing is, I have a real big kinship with, with the hockey community. Uh, these are guys that have just, uh, as well as, you know, within soccer as well. But the, uh, these guys at Crushed Ice, they are so humble. I mean, they go on a tour and invite, well, like they were in Switzerland, like twenty of the guys, you know, stayed at one guy's house up in the Alps, and you know, just getting to know each other. And here they're going into competition the next day, and all they can think about is sharing their cultures and their traditions. And um, really, really fascinating people. And I think, um, you know, especially with the with the wrestling community, you know, who love who love contact and who love personalities, they should definitely your uh, your listeners should definitely check out the Crash Dice. Uh, when, it, when it comes back, eventually, uh, you know they 're not doing anything right now,
1: obviously well Eric, listen, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to give the listeners information about uh, the mental side of sports, which is your latest book there. once again, folks it 's a workbook, so you know this is about life lessons to to guide you in understanding how to become a better sibling, student, player, friend, teammate. Uh, you name it boss, parent, coworker, et etc. You know, and, and it's based on sports experience passed down through some amazing women and men who have shared their paths of triumph and defeats in all the in-between. I mean, just really, it's a fascinating piece of work here. And I encourage everybody, please go check it out there. You will enjoy it. In fact, I, I encourage everybody with the holiday season coming up, not only get a, a copy for yourself, get a copy for someone in your life, especially the young people. I think something like this is, is so important for folks who are in middle school and transitioning into high school because they're really at that point in life where they're so impressionable. And some of these life lessons that they learn from folks that they look up to, these, these athletes and these famous folks here, uh, it could mean the difference. It could mean the difference could set them on a good path there. So that's, that's my soapbox, and I'm standing firm on that there. Uh, but Eric, before I let you go, what the heck is a guy who is so involved with hockey in particular and, and skate sports?
2: What are you doing in Florida? I came here uh, years ago to coach to coach soccer. Um, I had uh, I'm actually a fully licensed uh, FIFA soccer coach and had come down here to work um, with an academy and just needed a, just needed a little bit of a change. Um, so I came from earthquakes. To hurricanes, Um, because at least we know the hurricane's coming, and you can leave if you want to.
1: (laughs) Great talking to Eric, just really a a breath of fresh air, really cool guy, definitely encourage everyone to check out his stuff there, because he just, he's cool, he's cool, and we'll have him back on the show as well sometime, because I I enjoy talking to good people, you know, just like Holly did earlier, what have you, when it comes to speaking with good people, it's like chicken soup for the soul, I love it. Love it, love it. Once again, appreciate all of you listening. Please head over to Facebook and Twitter, Whatever podcast app you're listening to the show on, give me a review. Now I appreciate five stars, but don't want a review there. Any feedback? Who do you want to hear on the show? All that good stuff? It's welcome. Now next week, I got a guy lined up who has helped train everyone from Thunder Rosa. To Jungle Boy, Marvelous Marco Mania. I mean, you name it, this guy has had a hand in training some of the, the up and coming stars and some of the major stars that are out there today. So I think you can enjoy A guy by the name of Rick Luxury. So that's coming up next week. Until then, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. <laughs>
2: This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Loved Wrestling!